that kind of gives you a little glimpse into the ministry that uh, Michael and Julia Peace are part of in inner city uh, Rochester. Let me just give you a little background on Michael and Julia. Um, I've known them for, we're just sitting there talking about we're old. They never change though. They look exactly the same. Um, I've known them well over 30 years and, uh, I met Michael when I was a teenager uh, going to a church in the city, and uh, our youth group was doing an outreach to the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles, and we were going to do dramas and street witnessing and, and just do this as a big outreach event. And um, I think, Michael, you were part of another church at that time, I think, and you combined it with our church at Bethel. And, uh, and that's where I first met, met Michael, and Michael was this persona of personality, and when you just met him, it was infectious. It was just the the love of Christ and um, just the the power of God in his life was amazing. So as a teenager, I, I would step back and watch Michael on the streets witnessing to people. And my jaw would just drop like I'm like, wow, this guy has so much boldness. And he's he's he he loves Jesus. And it was infectious. The, we would. It, on the streets of L.A., we would have kids following us. He made so many friends on the street as he shared Jesus. The next day, the, the, the kids didn't know what the name of our group was, so they would just yell, Jesus. We'd walk down the street, and they're like, Jesus, because they knew it was us again coming down the streets, and they'd follow us, and we made great relationships. And it was just, it, that, that was my first introduction um, uh, to Michael Peace. And, uh, and then he married Julia, which was the best choice he's ever made in his life besides following Jesus. And, and so Michael got very involved in the church that I was saved in, the church that I was discipled in, uh, Bethel Full Gospel in the city and at the time. And, um, and, and Michael from there, God began to use them. And, and through that, uh, God used them in this area of ministry of, of, of Bethel Express, where they reach out to children, and primarily through the ages of 6 to, to, to 12 years old. Um, Michael and Julie have done so much more than that. Michael has been a chaplain for the Buffalo Bills. He's, he, if you didn't know it, he, he put out many uh, Christian rap albums, which put him on a totally cool level with me way up here. Um, my, my kids, he speaks a lot at the Charles Finney School. So my, my kids hear Michael, and they say their favorite speaker is Michael Peace. And I say, well, I'm, he's my biggest fan. I'm his biggest fan, too. So I love Michael, too. And through that, God has used them tremendously. Michael, uh, when I was a youth pastor in South Carolina, did two outreach events, uh, events for me at the local high schools. And these high schools in South Carolina are huge, 3,000 students. And um, that week, we were able to, to speak to four to 5,000 students. And then Michael speaking and, and just sharing um, just how, uh, how he got his education and his master's degree. I remember having a teacher come up to me, because they would have tons of assembly speakers, and she said, I remember her saying, that was the best assembly we've ever had at this school. And, and then we would invite kids to, to a service that night to hear the gospel. And, and Michael would share his testimony. And I, I can't remember how many teens came to the Lord that week. It was just incredible. And so God has used Michael and Julia tremendously. And, and using them in, this, um, in, in the stability of Bethel Express, of seen a godly man and the one thing that i see in this world today is that young men are 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 troubled to see a godly man that that men 
can make a choice to do the right thing and to stand firm in their faith. And I think more than what God is doing at Bethel Express, I think it's just the, the figure of, of Michael and Julia's marriage and that example to be there week after week after week. Um, we were at a graduation service last year at, for Finney, and there was a girl there that graduated from Finney because she got scholarship to go there that went through Bethel Express. I mean, God is is just the residuals that are happening because of these kids, and 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 all the glory goes to God. But but I believe for the stability of of Michael and Julia of just being there and being present and showing them this is what a life in God looks like. This is this is what your Father in heaven looks like. That He will never leave you nor forsake you. So what they're developing in these kids are not just social development or not just academic development because they have all those tutoring things and feeding kids on Saturday morning a, a, a good warm breakfast. But also I believe what they're developing in them is that there's a Father in heaven that loves them, that cares for them, that will never leave them. And so I'm thankful that we are part of what God is doing and Bethel Express um, by supporting them. And this is something that's happening right in Rochester. And I'm so glad, Michael's from, Michael and Julia are from New York City. I am so glad, Michael, that you stayed in Rochester. I am so glad that God called them here and God is, 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 is using them powerfully in, in our city because our, our city needs it. And this area needs Jesus. So I'm so glad you were called here, Michael, and you've stayed here all these years. And uh, uh, we won't hold it against you that you're a Jets fan. Um, so... Uh, we won't hold that against you, but uh, but we're so we're so glad that Michael's here and and that Julia's here and that they're going to share. Michael's going to share his heartbeat of what God is doing. So, would you just give just them a warm welcome as 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 Michael comes to share? Amen. Good morning. Um, you know, this morning, we had a late work night last night, and I was a little bit on the cranky side because I really didn't want to come to a 9 o'clock service here. It was a long distance, and then you went to two service, and I like the nerve of that to happen. And I was just like, why do we... And then all of a sudden, Michael gave me my Snickers bar, and I was doing so good. So I just want to let you know that that is not, that is not at all the truth. I so was excited to know that we were going to be coming here to be at your church, to be with your fellowship, and to know that some of my most fave people are here, the ones that encouraged me, that encouraged me early in my marriage because I saw a good example in the Gerasis. Um, they will always be near and dear to me um, and a fave person. And did you notice on the video, did you did, I had nothing to do with that video. I wasn't even in it. But then I realized, see, God doesn't forget me, and he's always kept me because I have a husband that wears a picture on a button on his on his chest. Bam! So I'm, I'm never forgotten. And I'm going to just tell you my last experience because I have been with Bethel, Bethel Express for over 30 years. We have one son. He lives in Florida, in Orlando, and he's 26 years old. And um, for the first time, some of the – and I pick up kids weekly. Some of the little girls said, um, can we call you Grandma? And I went, ah! I wasn't ready for that, 
But then I realized I am of that age to be qualified as a grandma. And they said, well, wait till you have grand... You know, people have told me, wait till I have grandchildren. I said, well, I'm going to have a daughter-in-law first. And I always let them know the order that God wants um, in our lives. But um, it's interesting that some of the girls, we have younger leaders coming and they've recognized them. They're like mom. And so finally I said yesterday, so I guess I am like grandma to you. Um, and one of our leaders said, grandmas represent good things in the city. They represent a place of love, of nurturing, of affirmation. And I said, okay, I walk in that one, Amy Temple, because she shared it with me. Um, but it is a blessing to be here. Thank you so much uh, for all the years of support that you've been to us, for the years of encouragement, and knowing that we are where God has placed us, and we are thankful that we are having a role in changing and transforming the lives of young people who so desperately need it. And I'm grateful for the foundation that I had with good parents who are celebrating 60 years of marriage this year, and uh, we celebrate 30. Yeah. And so I'm very, I'm very excited what God has in store uh, for us and for Bethel Express. So I'm going to give it over to Michael. God bless you, and uh, be well in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. That's my beautiful wife of 29 years, 10 months, one week, and one day today. Go ahead. I dare you to ask me if I'm happily married. <laughs> I am, uh, uh, as Pastor Barton said, that we're, we're Bethel Express, and uh, we, we really think of ourselves as the anti-urban plight. Everything that is wrong about what is called the urban plight, whether it is in Rochester or anywhere else in the country, for that matter, we are the to total opposite. We do not believe in excuses. We do not believe there is really a reason for excuses. We are 100% convinced, and we are able to prove this, that there is none greater than Jesus, and Jesus far exceeds and supersedes anything that is a social ill in our society. I had an experience with a gentleman once. We were talking... <clears throat> And he did not say this in a bad way, but it, it kind of struck me uh, sort of different. We were talking and, um, and, and he was a man of God. And he looked at me and he said, he said, so you're an action Christian. But he didn't make it sound like that was like necessarily like a, a good thing or a bad thing. It's like you're an action Christian. I'm thinking to myself, well, all Christians are supposed to be Christians of action is what I was thinking. But I thought about it long and hard because... As God has done what he's done in my life, uh, he's given me something, and we use it as our ministry in total, but he gave it to me. It's called the S factor, and it's this in, in this priority, order of priority, spiritual strength, social stability, and scholastic success. Uh, we are 100% convinced that as we, as we give God, God's people what God wants them to have, they will become what God wants them to become. And, um, and it is, and, and I probably, I, I should be careful how I say this, but I'm going to say it because I know she would not mind when Pastor Barton was talking about um, one of those young ladies. Um, and, and actually when she was walking across the stage, someone said, ask her her story. It's an amazing story. And so I, I'm able to do that because we know, we know this firsthand that, um, she was, uh, she was pushed out of the window of the second floor window of her apartment by her mother. At three o'clock in the morning, we got a phone call. Her mother had pushed her out of the window um, because because she was being chased she, uh, because the mother was chasing her with a knife. At about three o'clock in the morning, we got that phone call. She went through amazing challenges, and to see her graduate on time and, <laughs> and to walk across that stage 
with all the things that she was faced with, it's proof that God is real. It's proof that Jesus will see you through. And so it's the kind of thing where you say, um, somebody, somebody say, well, how good is God? How great is God? We have lots of, we have lots of people to prove that. The Bible says we've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Oh, believe me when I tell you, we have lots of testimonies because of what God has done. The second thing is social stability. We want our children to become socially stable. We understand, we understand full well. We see all the things. We are fully aware of all the social ills in our society. But the blood of Jesus is greater than all of that. The power of God is greater than all of that. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater than that. And so we, we, we have people say all kinds of things to us and we say, okay, I hear you, understand you, I feel you, but Jesus is Lord. God gets the final say. We teach our children. God gets the final say. We tell them, whether they're black, white, Latino, or Asian, we tell them that as far as society may call you a minority, but as far as God is concerned, you are one of God's priorities. I would like to prove it to you. He says we are a chosen generation, a holy, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Does that sound like a minority to you? We tell them, as far as God is concerned, you are God's priorities. You are not a minority. And God gets the final say. So we make them fully aware of these kinds of things. And the last one is the scholastic success. And we know when, when these kids come to us, they don't come to us. You know, I mean, I, you may laugh at you if you would like to. But even now we have some children. They spell Jesus, G-E-E-Z-U-S. That's how they come to us. We say he's the name above all names. We have to teach them how to spell it first before they can know that, that his name is above all names, at least when they write it on a piece of paper. But, of course, once again, God sees them through. Uh, God be praised for this. And, and, and Pastor Jerome, you said it best when you said um, that uh, it's what the Lord has done. Um, Paul said, the, the Apostle Paul said, he says, I have nothing to boast of except Christ and crucified and resurrected. And so that's pretty much how we feel as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, but... As of, as of this very moment, uh, since we, since we assumed leadership and the pastorship of, uh, of, uh, Bethel Express which, since 1999, we have had 307 children grow up in our ministry and graduate from high school. We have at this very moment, of all the children who have come to us and have stayed with us, we have a 100% graduation rate. 98% of them, 98% of them have gone on to some form of higher education. And of that, of, of that 98% that have gone on to, uh, some form of higher education, 25% of them have gone on to graduate studies or have completed graduate studies. And that, and that means master's degrees. Uh, that means, um, uh, uh, well, we have one doctor now, one medical doctor, and we, and we have a lawyer. And we have several that are working on PhDs, PhDs and, and master's degrees. And I always tell people, uh, uh, we have a doctor and we have a lawyer. So if I, if, if health care ever gets crazy to, we can't not do anything about it. That's my health care plan. She will take care of us. Right. And if my mouth gets me in trouble declaring Jesus Christ, where I have no business doing it. And I really don't care. Um, I have a lawyer to get me out of jail too. So, oh, and by the way, it's going to be free, all right? Because I've already put my investment in, all right? But just the saying, I'm going to read these to you. Uh, I'm just going to read three, okay? I'm going to read three. Uh, uh, because uh, we, and it's called BE Bites. I put these together. These are a real conversations that I've had with children in our ministry over the years. And the, uh, 
I'm just going to read three of them to you, and I'll give you the age of the children. And we call them BE bites, in other words, sound bites, or just conversations. And uh, the first one is a little a little girl. She uh, she was seven. She said, "Mike, peace. If you grow your hair out, you might look cute." <laughs> so I said, "I don't have to look cute. I'm married." <laughs> and she said, "That's not why you're married." I said, well, what is it then? She said, God felt sorry for you, so he blessed you with Miss Julia. Ain't he good? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, this one, the young man, he's nine. Mr. Michael Peace, do they have cars in heaven? I said, I don't believe so. Why? He said, well, if they do, I want a Rolls Royce. I said, why Rolls Royce? He said, it's the only car nice enough to drive on streets of gold. Yeah, good doctrine, huh? Good doctrine. Um, now, these were actually two different girls in the conversation. Well, one was, well, two of them was, two of them were in the conversation with me. Um, and one was 11 and the other one was 12. And the first was, she, she said, Mike Peace, what's the opposite of wisdom? I said, well, the Bible says that is foolishness. Why? She said, she said, the Bible says that gray hair is a reward for wisdom. My hair is black. Does that mean I'm a fool? And the other girl said, you are if you don't listen to Mike Peace. <laughs> oh, I like that one, right? Oh, I want to read one more, but I better not. I'm running out of time here. I, um, the reason why I, I put that to, I put that together is because I really want to share the innocence that is in our city. I, I, I choose to call it urban innocence. And you would think that with all the things that, are, that you hear about in the news that are going on in Rochester, uh, you would think that nothing good is happening in the city of Rochester. You turn on the news. My first college degree that I worked on was in mass media and communications and journalism. And you, uh, you, you turn on the news and, and all you hear Basically, for the first seven minutes, uh, 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 would be about a a chain of about five or six news stories, all of which are just horrible stories. It's amazing. Even when you listen to the morning news, they give you all the news and then they say, good morning. This is News 9 or whatever. It's like, it's not a good morning if that's all you're going to say. But the thing is, God is doing great things in the city of Rochester. Uh, we, we, we are glad to be a part of it. Once, as, once again, as I said before, I have nothing to boast of except Christ crucified and resurrected. I tell people all the time, when it comes to the, 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 the stories that we tell about what God has done, like our graduation rate, I tell people, I know God did. I'm not giving you a, I'm not even giving you a false sense of humor, a, a false of, uh, false sense of, of, uh, of humility. God only could have done those things. And the reason why I know that God only could have done those things is seriously. If you wanted a, a surefire plan, if mankind were good enough in and of himself to give you a surefire plan that if you take children who don't even know how to spell, who can, who can barely read if they can read at all, come from homes where people don't even know how to read. We have, a, we, have, we have two boys, three boys in our ministry. They all have the same name because their mother did not know how to spell anything but that name. And we have children like that and they come to us and, and if I could give you a surefire way that it would work within human ability, within human intellect, I know I, it would be very easy for me. I could just sell it in the lobby for you to you for $40, couldn't I? I could put it on news. I could put it on television. 
Teach urban children how to read, and they will graduate from high school and go to college. Three easy payments for $19.95. That's all that we could do, right, if man were that good. But God, man is not that good, so we know that it's God who's doing it. So when I say that God is doing these things in our city, it's because of what God is doing, and, and that's it. And we're just glad to be a part of it. I, uh, before I go any further, I have to let you know this, that I'm, I'm not very good with political correctness, um, I, 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 that doesn't mean I'm offensive. Uh, I just think that politically correct is an oxymoron because politically no one's correcting anything, you know. Um, and, and I'm saying any politician, any party, as far as I'm concerned, only the only the power of God through Jesus Christ is going to work. Really, only I have I must put my trust in God. I must put my hope in God. I must. Stand on Jesus Christ. We must. And so uh, I'm just going to share these things really fast with you. The. Um, uh, oh, I have time to do it. I have time to do it. Look around yourself and tell me what you see. No love, no hope, just poverty. Because when you grow up in the ghetto, life is really hard. So give your life to Jesus, get a brand new start. You look around the way and you think nobody cares? Turn those thoughts around, because God is still upstairs. Now, in my old life, I've seen all kinds. With so many problems, it could blow your mind. Roaches, rats, junkies, stray cats. The hustlers doing good because they got it like that. People getting high in the neighborhood park. But thanks to the Lord, I'm protected from my harm. Now, all of these problems never bother me. Because my life's in the hands of Jesus, you see. When you grow up in the ghetto, life is really hard. So give your life to Jesus, get a brand new start. Now they'll tell us that crack is taking over. Life has no hope like a four-leaf clover. People bugging out each and every day, never finding out that Christ is the way. My homegirl got pregnant and she had to leave school. Now she pays the price and life ain't so cool. Her boyfriend's not there. She's not on welfare. And now she looks for hope for someone to care. Now the junkie got AIDS because his needle was dirty. It snuffed him out before he turned 30. Too late to cry, too late to pray. He's soon to die and then he lays in the ghetto. Now, Charmaine's father just nags and shouts. Charmaine yells back and they have it on out. She wants to run away and get married real bad. But her boyfriend, Joe, is just like dad. Now, Andre is another kid right across town. His father left his mother because she held them down. The thing about his father drives him real mad. But he uses his girls just like dad. Now, little Tamika is a battered child. She used to hide away when her mother went wild. When she raised the seed that her mother has sown, what's she going to do with kids of her own? I can tell that Richie. He was a preacher's kid by the fire in his eyes and the things that he did. He never heard his father say, I love you. Remember, is the son. Tell me what's he going to do. Now, Willie Green's troubles got bigger and bigger. He was so confused, so he pulled on the trigger. He figured that he would be better off dead, so he took the gun and put it to his head. Willie had trouble when he was in school. His grades weren't good, so they called him a fool. He said, well, maybe this planet ain't the place for me. We even had trouble in my family. My father always gives my big brother flack. So just to get away, he puffs on crack. And when it came to sex, my mother said, wait, but that word from my sister is just too late. She learned she was pregnant just the other day. My homie uptown molded her like clay. When Willie had these troubles, he always had to drink. It was the only thing that would help him think. But what he really needed was Jesus Christ. He would not have ended his precious life. But you see, it's too late to talk about it now because Willie Green's body is six feet underground. 
Now, I woke up one morning at the break of day and I ran to my knees because I had to pray. I asked the Lord to use me and reflect his light because a day without Jesus, it would never be right. It wasn't very long before I heard the news about a young man who was feeling the blues. He said, my peace, my head's in a twirl. Just last night, I had a talk with my girl. We have a situation about something that we did. Now in nine months, we could have a kid. Should we have an abortion? I don't know, maybe, but I'm just too young to take care of a baby. Now my girl and me are both writhing in pain. They need Jesus Christ to break the chain. Now, I woke up one morning at the break of day, and I ran to my knees because I had to pray. I asked the Lord to use me and reflect his light, because a day without Jesus, it would never be right in the ghetto. <clears throat> Praise God. Um, it would, you would think that I wrote that song about a week ago. Maybe a month ago, maybe even a year ago. I wrote that song in 1984. You would think that I wrote that song 30, 33, years, 30, 33 days ago. I wrote that song 33 years ago. 33 years ago, I wrote that song. People ask me all the time, Mike, why is it that you do it? Why is it that you do what you do? Mike, you could do this. Mike, you've traveled the world, literally. Mike, you've been on all these TV programs. You've done all this kind of stuff. But God has always been speaking to me. And, and I say this, that I've always heard the voice of God speaking to me very clearly the things that he wanted me to do. I, let me say that a different way because I don't want to sound like this really great spiritual guy. What I mean by that is whenever the Lord has spoken to me about specific things like this, like what he requires out of me, I've heard and I'm glad that I responded accordingly. And um, and I really appreciate what you said, Pastor Barton, about me hanging in there and just being a man of God. I want to show and prove that you can hang in there with Jesus all the days of life once you decide to live for him. I, I want to do that. I really want to. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I don't want to be that guy that that when you see me five years from now, I was like, wow, I remember when he preached at my church. I see young boys all the time. That, uh, that, uh, that uh, just chose not to follow Jesus, but they, they watched us and they're like, man, are you still doing that stuff, Mike Peace? I said, yeah. He said, Mike Peace, you've been doing this since the 80s. Yeah. Jesus called me. Jesus requires, requires this out of all of us. Well, the first thing I, I'll just say these and you can write these down for the sake of time. The first thing is that I, that I heard the voice of God. All of us, who, when we hear the voice of God, we, God requires us to, to, to respond accordingly and to, and to do what he says to do. I'll just read just a portion of this. Isaiah chapter 61, uh, and it says this, and many of you have read this, and this is where, this is where God sparked it in my spirit. And of, uh, I don't equate myself with Isaiah or any of the uh, men or women in the word of God, but just as, but when I read this portion of scripture, it spoke to me directly and became Raymond. It says, Isaiah chapter 61, beginning verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for morning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. The Lord spoke that very clearly to me that that's what you're supposed to do. 
And so I, I, I responded accordingly to the Lord. And I, I don't pretend that it was an easy thing. I don't pretend that it's easy, easy, even, even easy today, which leads to the next part where God's, and God said this to Ezekiel chapter 37. He said to Ezekiel, he says, and of course he took him in the spirit realm and he says, look out amongst the city. And he says, what do you see? And Ezekiel said, I see dry bones. God said, can these bones live? Uh, first of all, uh, I, I read a book in the 90s called uh, The Final Quest by a gentleman by the name of Rick Joyner. Some of you may have read that book. And he said a quote in there. He says, whenever God asks you a question, it's not because he's trying to get information from you. You caught that, right? And so, but it's kind of funny because uh, when Ezekiel's response was, he said, Lord, thou knowest. In other words, Lord, you know. If he lived on the west side of Rochester, if, 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 if Ezekiel had been a, uh, a prophet on the west side of Rochester in these days, he would have said, Lord, thou knowest. He would have said, why are you asking me? You the man. <laughs> you the most high, right? Right? But he said, Lord, thou knowest. And then, of course, God said, Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. Right? And in other words, speak life. And, of course, the Bible says that, he saw that the bone came to bone and sinews came to sinew, which means tendon to tendon. And he said, and then skin came upon it. And then he said to breathe. And then, of course, he spoke life. And, of course, of course, this was all in the spirit world, but that was what God was going to do through Ezekiel, and he spoke it prophetically. And so that's the situation there. And so the first part is the voice. The second part is the vision. When, 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 when we put those two together, it brings, it brings forth something that's a little bit interesting because now... You're at a point where you're starting to say to yourself, you know what? I have seen God do amazing things. So you can say whatever you want to say. You can do whatever you want to do. That does not change my perspective as to what God is going to do or what God is capable of doing, which is the, the third V. So the first one is the voice, the vision, and then the third one is the vantage point. And the vantage point is something is, is based upon your, your perception, based upon your experiences, what you know. I have a friend. I always believed in healing. The word of God says so that made it final. I've seen people healed. However, I have one experience with a friend of mine. Uh, and you may some of you may even know who she is. Her name is Delia. Uh, she was in a wheelchair. She used to live in Rochester, actually. Uh, she's nationally, internationally known now, but she was in a wheelchair. I knew Delia before she got in a car accident. Delia got in a car accident and um, uh, uh, ended up paralyzed from the waist down. She did not experience any trauma from the accident. Her body did not experience any trauma from the accident. Just that one brain cell just stopped working. The brain cell that told her body to move. And so she did not walk. Well, one day I come home from doing ministry at a juvenile detention center and my wife is on the phone and she said, Oh, I can't wait to tell Michael. So she's keep talking everything. Wow, wait till Michael hears it. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And so she keeps talking. You know how you talk when you're with your spouse. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so after about 20 minutes, I'm like, I can't wait to tell Michael. Oh, praise God. I said, I said, so she hung up the phone. She said, I said, well, what are you supposed to care? What, what is it that you can't wait to tell me about? She said, daily I walked. Daily I was in a wheelchair for 23 years. It's on video right now. She got up and walked. So I always believed it. I've seen God heal it. But now I know for because I used to pick up Delia and put her in the car. I used to take Delia out of the car, and put her in the wheelchair. And now Delia walks. So somebody says to me, well, do you think God can do this? Well, I have enough to tell them, you know what? 
I've seen God do amazing things and God has me all messed up now. So God, just as much as God has made an impact in Delia's life for her to walk, God can, can change the life of an urban youth. God can change the life of a child. We get all kinds of children. I, 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 oh, I, I just need to slow down, right? I need to slow down. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 through 38, it says this. Jesus said this. He said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest. The word um, send comes from the Greek word ekbalo, E-K-B-A-L-O, which means to thrust out. It says that uh, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust out, that he would send laborers into the harvest. Jesus had a perspective. Jesus had a vantage point. He knew what could happen, not just with him, of course, he would be the source of it, but he knew that he said the laborers, not him as the laborer. He said that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest, into the harvest field for the harvest. He had a, he had a vantage point because he knew what the father could do. He knew of the hope of, he knew of the hope of the gospel that he was bringing. He knew that. And so that, so accordingly, God did that. And the last part is this is the victories. And I'm just going to share this with you. There's so many that I, I like to give, so many, but I, I'll just do this. I, I have to tell you two, maybe three. At present, uh, Bethel Express owns a house for ministry, house, owns a house of ministry, um, one block from the public market. In, in this area, if, uh, if, you've, if you've seen this area before, you know that um, this is the second largest area in the city of Rochester for prostitution. Um, and, and we have seen, we have seen it all. In fact, the very house that we purchased, uh, at the time we were renting it at that very, when we started renting it, prostitution was literally taking place in that house. It's a duplex. So one side, my spiritual mom lived on and on the other side, a young lady who was running prostitution and she was literally, and I'm not exaggerating. She was literally running at the age of 22 when she moved in, literally running prostitution out of that house. Uh, I'm glad to tell you now that we own it. The same rooms that were used for prostitution are now used for children to relax and have a great time and have a peaceful time in the Lord. And they also are able to uh, get tutoring and are getting the assistance that they need. But at the time we were, when we first moved out there, you know, well, when we first purchased the house, uh, well, when we first started renting, it was it was it was an amazing situation. The very first day that we were doing an outreach on that corner, I will not ever forget this. There was a gentleman. Now, I could not see it actually because of the range of where I was um, playing music at that. I was I'm a drummer. So I was we were playing uh, instrumental music, worship instrumental music uh, uh, prophetically. But two of our girls. Uh, one of which graduated last year from Fiddy also. Uh, she saw it. And what happened was there was a gentleman that opened up a knife. And when he opened up the knife, it was 11 inches in length. I'll tell you how I found out about that later. We have a crowd of people, literally a crowd of people standing around. And they are watching us play the music. These two girls did not know what to do. And the gentleman took the knife, opened it up. And he was looking with wonderment at the crowd. He took the knife threw it in the sewer drain and came over and dropped his head on my friend's shoulder, just started crying. My friend was a pastor, dropped his head on my friend's shoulder, said, I have to stop living like this. That gentleman was going to run into the crowd and stab everybody he could. He was so amazed at the worship and praise that was taking place that he literally, literally got arrested him 
and changed everything in his heart. And to this very day, he's still living for Jesus. That was five years, five summers ago. And to this very day, he's still living for the Lord. I'm writing a book because that was the first one. I'm writing a book called, Are We Having Church Today? And the reason for that is because when we, uh, 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 when we were out there for the seventh week as it was. Now, I'm a drummer. And, we, and on, on that day, although I'm in charge and I'm a pastor, all I do is play worship. I mean, all I do is play drums. I organize everything. And then everybody else that's a part of our team does what they do. Well, this particular morning, I'm out there and I'm picking up paper on the open light. If you ever come, you'll see what it, what, 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 of what I speak. I'm picking up paper and I'm just praying in the spirit for the Lord to bless that day. Because later on in the evening, we're going to have the outreach. And so uh, this is about 10 o'clock in the morning. So I'm picking up paper and there's a little family that's walking by and they said, hey, good morning, Pastor. How you doing? I'm like, hey, how's everybody doing? And they said, well, good. Uh, Pastor, are we having church today? And I'm thinking, well, first of all, they call me pastor. And I'm like, I don't know. Nobody calls me pastor. I'm, I'm Mike there. I don't know. But I, I was being nice. And, but when they said, Pastor, are we having church today? I was like, oh, they must think I'm somebody else because... I don't do church like, you know, like, like they must be speaking of. And then I realized when we feed them on, on that corner with the table set up and you can eat all you want as much as you want, but you have to be served at a table because that's where we do the ministry. We laugh with them. We cry with them. We pray with them. We lay hands on them. We, we do everything. We do all the ministry at the tables. I would love nothing more to be on the platform. We have a small platform and to preach the gospel every week. I would love nothing more to, than to do that. But their ears, their, their ears hear it, but their eyes and their lives need to, re, need to experience it. And so we do that at the tables with that rhyme, didn't it? Yeah, it was good. Thanks, Lord. That's a good hookup. I didn't plan to say that. Um, and so, but we, um, so, uh, but so we minister them at the table. But they call that church. The prostitutes call that church. Ten minutes go by, another uh, uh, four adolescent ladies walk by. They say, hey, pastor, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm good. How you young ladies doing? They says, we're good. They said, Pastor, we having church today? And I'm like, yeah, we're having church today. We, we're going to, you know, you know what time we do it. Yeah. Ten minutes go by, another family, another small family walk by. We've seen them minister, you know, we've ministered them on the corner. And they said, good morning, Pastor, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing well. How's everybody doing? They said, we're doing well. Pastor, we having church today? Now, this is Thursday, by the way. Thursday morning. Like, y'all can't even wait to talk to me later on? This is Thursday morning. We don't start till six. I said, yeah, we're doing it. Then, 15 minutes later, Five young men walked by. Four of them were drug dealers. I had seen them all walking by all the time. They've even come on the corner. They walked by and said, what's up? What's up, preacher? So, you know, I have to put my, you know, put some Brooklyn in. What's up, fellas? Yo, preacher. Um, which is kind of funny because I'm not out there preaching. You, you know what I mean when I buy that. I mean, of course, my life is preaching, but I'm not preaching. They said, yo, preacher, we having church today? I'm like, yeah, we're having church today. You, you brothers going to come? They said, yeah, we're going to be there. I said, uh, okay, cool. I said, You're, do you know what time we start? And one of them said, well, you start at 6. We're going to be there at 5.55. <laughs> I said, all right, I'll see you there. And so the title of the book is called, Are We Having Church Today? And it's really, it's really telling the stories of what God has done. 
is really telling the stories of what God has done uh, and what God is able to do. Because I want to be able to tell people that God wants to do something in the inner city of Rochester. God wants to do something in what we call the hood or what we call an urban center. God wants to do that. God wants to do something in the inner city. And uh, I, I am very glad to tell all of you that uh, you have been supporting us now for about seven years, six years. Yeah, you've been supporting us for about six or seven years. So when when uh, with all these stories that you've heard me tell, some of this is your fault. <laughs> but we thank you on behalf of that. The children who who um, who who have who don't even really know where their mother is this morning. They were with us yesterday, but they don't know who their mother where their mother is this morning. I'm speaking this morning. They don't know where their mother is. They get support in Jesus name because of your support to us. We know that it's, it's not just about the money. We thank you very much for that. We know many of you because some of you pray for us. Some of you have sent me emails and things of that sort. And, and I'm grateful to you for that. Thank you very much on behalf of the children of the city of Rochester, the teenagers in the city of Rochester, the families in the city of Rochester, who God is sending our way. We're not getting all of them, but as many as God sends our way, we would take them and we would do what God wants to do because of thus saith the Lord. God, I tell people all the time that Jesus is on the throne and nobody is bad enough to take him down. And because of you, you have helped us prove that Jesus is Lord and nobody's bad enough to take him down. God bless you and thank you for your support.